Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Renewables. We're very excited about this week's episode where we are featuring Chrissy Coughlin. She is a employee at Biostar, has become a personal friend of mine and uh, has a fabulous background in sustainability and has had a really interesting career starting uh, with an education at Brown and she was has been in DC. She has been involved with Green Biz. She's a writer. She's a singer-songwriter. She, I didn't tell her I was going to say that, but I had to uh, mention that one because she's just very, very talented in so many different ways. And we are so excited to have Chrissy on the Biostar team. We brought Chrissy on, uh, let's see, sometime uh, in March. Yeah, it's all a blur because as soon as she came on the team, uh, COVID sort of struck and, um, and you know, frankly, she's been fantastic to work with and we've all been able to sort of get out of our comfort zone and figure out a way to execute some of our marketing goals virtually, one of them being this podcast. So I, I have a big, um, a lot of gratitude for, for Chrissy with um, respect to being able to get this podcast up and running and produce such a great product. A lot of this uh, inspiration and execution came from her. So with all that, please allow me to introduce Chrissy Coughlin. Chrissy, thank you for being here. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we wanted to do an employee sort of spotlight um, and Chrissy will be doing these throughout the podcast, bringing on um, different folks in different parts of our business and just talking to them about what they do for the business and um, why they love working here. Maybe why they don't love working here. I don't know what we'll uncover. Hopefully not very much of that. But um, but no, Chrissy was a natural first place to start because you have uh, quite a background in sustainability and it's something that's been important to you ever since you were a little girl. So uh, if you don't mind, I would love to just kind of start with um, who you are and how you got to here. Well, thank you. So we were talking a little bit earlier about sort of how you get started in, in the sustainability world. And I think my story is kind of fun in the sense that it really started with my grandfather. So when I was a little girl, he had a cabin up in um, northern New Hampshire. And it was very bare bones. Our running water was a uh, rain barrel and we um, cooked all of our food on the wood stove and fly fished and it was just really getting back to basics. If we needed wood, we cut it ourselves, etc. And it really sort of set the precedent for me. I was, this is really important. And what was really unique about him was that he actually um, by trade was a politician and a lawyer. And so he was living a really sort of fast paced life for a while. And this was his getaway place. And it was really his happy place and it became mine. So um, I kind of just took that, the, the knowledge that he um, provided me and ran with it and became, it's one of those things I sort of think about as once it's in your blood, you can't really get rid of it. So sustainability and the environment was super important to me and I just never, it never went away. And so 
um, as you mentioned um, before, I went uh, to Brown University and had a master, uh, not a, a BA in um, in international relations, but also a, a soft major in environmental studies. And so that's when I really kind of formalized it and realized, wow, I can do something with this. And then went on to grad school and then into the workforce. Yeah, and so your studies at Brown and kind of tacking on that environmental piece led you to DC, right? And, and sort of ended up playing an integral role in kind of how you started your career. Yes. So that and then going to um, uh, going to the University of Michigan, they have a school of natural resources there. And that's where I did a two year program. And that's when I went to D.C. right after that. Um, it was just a natural fit. I got a great job right out of grad school. I grew up in D.C., so it was kind of going home. My brother lived there at the time and it was just a win-win. And I was able to convince my boyfriend at the time to also follow me to D.C. So it was great. There you go. Yeah, I was like, okay, you wanted to go to Alaska. And I was like, yeah, I love Alaska, but we're not going to Alaska. So he ended up in D.C. We broke up, but it was great while it lasted. Um, but D.C. was, um, it was terrific. We were, you know, was working right by the White House and a National Environmental Education and Training Foundation, which was um, super interesting because they had a business and environment leg to it and they needed somebody to run that. And that's when I really ran with the, whole business and environment bend to my sustainability career because I've always felt it very important to be pro-business in this field. There are a lot of people who are not and I don't feel like business is ever going away and I feel like it's incumbent upon people who go into the sustainability field to actually help companies make better decisions and get inside those companies and help them. So that's when I really was like, okay, this is where I'm going to go with this. And then very I kind cool. of very cool. So how long were you in DC? Uh, after grad school, I was there for about five years. And then gotcha. I moved, moved out to Los Angeles and took a job with um, Global Green. And that's another nonprofit and did a bunch of um, uh, media relations and communications. So a very different world out there, but I was intrigued by that aspect of things. And I was also keeping up my relationship with Green Biz, um, which I started in DC. And they're a, they're a California-based um, organization, so I was able to work with them tangentially out there as well. So, Well, you lasted longer in Washington than I did. I, I worked in D.C. for about a year after school, and I, uh, I thought I wanted to be a big, bad bureaucrat, but I, I chose capitalism after all. So, uh, But no, I, I loved living in Washington, and it's a great place to live, and such a unbelievable blend of culture and um, such an international city. It's a really fun place to be. So, okay, so you're in LA and you're working with Green Biz now? Well, tangentially, but I was working with Global Green USA, Global Green. Okay. a nonprofit, and they um, did similar stuff to, to, the net, to what I was doing in DC um, and was able to work with in, more in the media field, which I kind of, I was at that point kind of intrigued with I, the whole Hollywood as a singer songwriter. I really wanted to be in LA. Yeah. I was going to ask when, where did the writing come in? Kind of when did that? So the writing came, actually, it's a really interesting story. I taught myself how to play guitar at 25 because I was always a singer and relied on other musicians to be with me and play. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need to at least learn the basics here so I can get up on stage and do this on my own. Um, 
And then it wasn't really until I was in, in grad school or it was, yeah, in grad school that I started writing songs. It was crazy. I was really busy, but then I just started writing songs and I kind of all came together. And then I put a couple of albums out and, you know, just had some fun with it and toured around for a while. And, and, um, I just, you know, I loved being on stage and sharing my art with people. So it was super. That's so cool. How do our listeners find your music? Oh, wow. Um, we're on, I'm on Spotify. There you go. Spotify. Easy enough. I've listened. It's great. You should check it out. You. No, but it was really fun to be able to, you know, be in the sustainability world out in LA and find an incredibly smart group of people and also be able to feel like I was doing something a little bit, you know, different with my music. Um, DC is a great music town, but at that stage, I wanted to kind of see what was, you know, what was out there in a little bit more. So I was able to marry both of those passions, which was great. Really cool. Really cool. And I'm sure living in Hollywood, uh, certainly known were for being a uh, hotbed of environmentalists and uh, folks who find sustainability very important. Did that uh, kind of, what what was next? Did that help sort of launch or did that, I guess, shape your views in any way? Um, did you keep your pro-business views? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. unpopularly at some times, you know, because it's yeah. hard. So it was really, you know, in particularly in grad school, it's really hard because people are like, what you're going to do an internship at Ford Motor Company during grad school? I'm like, yeah, I am. They've got a great sustainability team, and why wouldn't I want to learn from them? So, sure. you know, it could be very unpopular, and particularly out west sometimes. But yes, I was able to um, to maintain that that you know credo or ethos or whatever. And um, then I did move back east ultimately. And then kind of went out on my own and was able to to take it further and have some corporate clients and then um, started a little radio show podcast similar to this and yeah. um, was able to syndicate that on greenbiz.com, which really helped um, get it out to more eyeballs and ears and all that stuff. So, yes, that's really cool. Yeah. And Greenbiz is an organization that I've followed for a long time. Um, great organization and <clears throat> for some of our viewers uh, who are looking for places to kind of check in on the sustainability uh, conversation and business uh, and sustainability and the intersection of all that uh, green biz is absolutely a good place to go so tell us a little bit more about your radio show then call the radio show you pointed out beforehand now we call them podcasts I guess <laughs> it was really a podcast and, and much different than this. It was only audio. So yeah. I think that's why it was more just, it felt more of, I don't know, I was, I was recording it in a radio station too. So I think that helped, but it was called nature sure. of business. And, um, I started it just because I wanted to, it was just one of the entrepreneurial things. I just like, you know, I really want to do this. I think that there's a need, um, the purpose of the of the radio show slash podcast was to um, they weren't it wasn't necessarily puff pieces for for corporations or individuals in corporations doing doing their jobs but what I was trying to pull out of people was the good work that they were doing so um, I would interview people and give them an opportunity and a platform to talk about what they were doing because oftentimes 
people don't know these companies are actually doing some pretty fantastic things and they have the capital and they have the people power to make those things happen. So they're expediting it. And so it just gave them a platform to, to talk about the good things and the challenges. And I would ask tough questions, but, but for the most part, I just wanted the world to know, you know, what they were doing. And um, it was just super fun. And I was able to reach a wide variety of people in different, you know, fields and it was just um you know men and women younger older it was it was super fun that's really cool yeah and sustainability means something different to everyone right i mean that's what i think is so interesting um about my job is you know a lot of what i do is looking for folks that either want to reduce energy or create energy on site whether that be with generators or solar um but but it's interesting to get the different perspectives of different companies and what sustainability really means to them and in their processes. And sometimes solar and battery storage are the last thing that they want to talk about because, you know, they have a water issue or they use too much uh, compressed air, whatever it may be. So I'm sure that uh, offered a lot of opportunities for you to just kind of see how different industries view sustainability and what's important um, to different industries. What, what were, who were some of your favorite, uh, some of your favorite episodes? You'll have to dig back to the, the memory bank. Oh man, you're going to make bank. me dig back. It's been like six years now. Um, and, and to follow up on that also, I'm curious, how do you think the conversations you were having then um, kind of compare to a lot of the conversations that we're seeing now in the sustainability space? Are they similar? Have they changed? So if you can't remember a specific one in, in particular, that's okay. But I just don't want to like, you know, favorite, you know, I don't want to pick favorites, you know, fear of like offending all the other people. No, but um, no, I just had so many wonderful, you know, conversations with people, but I do think the conversation is somewhat similar to this day. I think that um, people in the sustainability world always feel an uphill battle to try to convince people, you know, that this is something to pay attention to. Uh, it started out that there may be like one sustainability person that was, you know, sort of a puppet entity in a corporation and just kind of did their stuff. And a lot of it was puff piece and, you know, just to make the company look good. And then that slowly but surely evolved into teams. And then the teams, you know, had C-suite, you know, offices next to CEOs and they were being paid, you know, given, you know, an equal seat at the table. Um, so I've seen that evolution. It definitely different, you know, it's, it, it is different at different companies. So I, I interviewed a lot of people who are just like, oh, I, the CEO is on board. Everybody is doing whatever they can. And then I had people in other companies, large and small, who just couldn't really convince the hires up to really make the decisions that needed to happen. It was not often that that would happen, but it definitely, you know, that conversation did come up. I mean, they couldn't really <laughs> say too much because they wanted to keep their jobs, but, you know, you could tell that the general feeling was that, you know, it's an uphill battle. But I do think the overall theme is that it, it is sustainability as a field. It can be somewhat challenging because dollars, yeah. dollars and companies need to make money. And the job of sustainability people and people in that field in general is to convince them that there is a financial reason to actually make those decisions and that it's going to pay off. It's going to be worth it. Absolutely. Well, I've certainly just been impressed um, and I won't name specific names, but 
Um, you know, we work with some larger organizations, but a lot of medium-sized companies um, and even smaller companies. And and I've just been so impressed with, uh, and I, I hear the same things. Some say, oh, the C-suite's 100% on board. Some say, eh, this is kind of an uphill battle. But um, regardless, there is a sustainability person there, even if it's the Op director of operations and they, they tacked sustainability kind of onto their title, they are paying attention to it and they are looking for opportunities to do both, right? To drive costs out of the business, but also do the right thing for the environment, for their community, for their customer, whatever it may be. And uh, I will shamelessly plug again, just in case anybody hasn't seen our previous episodes, we have a great episode with Jeff Fromm, uh, who's a, a friend of ours and uh, works for Barclay here in Kansas City and is an author of several books. His most recent book, The Purpose Advantage, is all about how companies who, who inject purpose into everything that they do and really um, live through their purpose uh, tend to outperform their competition. And I think, I think you can see that. I think you can tell, um, it, he talks a lot about the discerning consumer, but I think you can tell even sometimes from a distance, whether or not a company is really kind of drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will, or if they've just thrown up a tab on their website and, and someone told them they needed to do this because it's 2020 and it's important. You can't, yes, and I totally agree with you. I just, I think you, you can't really get away with that as much anymore because people, they smell a rat immediately. They're like, no, you're not walking yeah. the walk. So I, yeah, I agree. Um, one other thing I will say too is just about the sort of human component of everything. And um, I think that sustainability people, at least in my experience, are people, they're, 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 they're people who feel, you know, they want to connect, they want to communicate with you, they want to um, make those connections. And I think that that aspect of things is super, super important in this in this field as companies bring these people on because they will have dual roles. They'll be a like in my case at Biostar, you know, I'm doing marketing and writing, and I have the sustainability background. So, it it it's it's I think it's just that that human component that you see a lot with with people who choose the field that they want to. They're communicators because they want to teach people how. Yeah. You know, the field is going to, um, you know, how if the company makes the right decision that it will actually have a, a positive impact quicker than sure. the, a lot of people think. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a great comment and a great point. And that's a good transition, actually, into kind of what you're doing here at Biostar. Um, I want to hear from your perspective, um, your role here, what you like about it, um, kind of, and, and tell our, our viewers and listeners, uh, what you're working on here at Biostar. So that is a perfect segue, because I will say that um, what is, you know, as a, as a feeler, you know, an emotional person and passionate person, um, when you decide to work for a company, um, for me, it was about the people. So when I came in and met you and Andy and Missy and Bill, there, there was a, a feeling of warmth and um, a feeling of entrepreneurship and fearlessness. And um, 
just a work ethic that I saw that I felt was super strong. And so I, you know, had to see myself, did I see myself culturally fitting into this company? And that was a no brainer from the outset. Um, I just sort of was like, this is terrific. And um, obviously the work is important. Uh, and I knew that there was a need to get that story out into the wider, you know, universe and, you know, we need to tell our stories and or else nobody will know what we're doing. And sure. so that was um, super, you know, exciting for me. And then the writing piece, I hadn't done a lot of writing in a while since my, you know, sh radio show because I was writing up the interviews and syndicating them. And so I hadn't really done a lot of sustainability focused writing in a while. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, it'll get like, you know, get those brain cells back going, you know. Yeah. But, um, because um, I, you know, we haven't talked about Beauty Counter, but, you know, that's my current other little side job here, but it's not, not a lot of writing. And so I was super excited to, um, to, to do that as well. And, you know, and frankly, to work with the team um, and to have that sense of just a familial sense of pushing towards a goal. Um, so that was, you know, and I think Biostar kind of checked all the boxes and I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. Awesome. Well, we definitely felt the same way. And I will say huge kudos to you. Um, you're raising a daughter. There's no school. We have a pandemic and we've still been able to really kind of kick our marketing team into the next gear. And um, we have other people, Lindsay and Ashley and Missy and others to thank for that as well. But uh, you've absolutely helped us really jumpstart a lot of these things that we wanna do. And, and like you said, um, we are doing some cool things and we need to talk about them and we need to get them out there for the world to see. Um, because you know it's important, I think, particularly in the solar side of our business, the energy service side of our business, a lot, there's a lot more adoption in the things we do. And, and some of it, frankly, has become commoditized. Um, and so on the solar side, just being able to kind of show that there are medium size, small size and large size companies out there adopting this technology. There's ways to do this uh, without shelling out huge amounts of capital. And so we, we have loved having you on the team. I do want to go back a little bit, though, to Beauty Counter, your uh, side hustle, if you will. You actually have been working with Beauty Counter for a long time. Not, not that it's not a lot of work. Um, but tell me about Beauty Counter, because I think um, our viewers may be interested, both from the product standpoint, but also Beauty Counter is is focused in sustainability, right? So I, I want to talk about that a little bit. So as a, as a single parent to a now six-year-old as of yesterday, it was her birthday yesterday, it was super fun. Happy birthday, Caroline. He had a great day. <laughs> Mommy did it all. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so um, she was eight months old and I was um, contemplating, I took time off from the, the radio show and some consulting work and I was like, gosh, I really, it was a very thoughtful, you know, decision on my part to have a child as a single parent and I wanted to be around at least, you know, for the first five years, at least in my mind, it was like, you know, I want to be home. I want to be with her. And, and that's just what's going to happen. So Beauty Counter, um, when she was eight months old, someone said to me, have you heard of this company? And I was like, no, I haven't heard of this company. Um, and so you should look into it. They 
they're a direct sales company and they hire, you know, you just jump on as a consultant and they're a, a skincare and makeup company and they are really going, you know, growing to be the cleanest in the, in the, in the industry and filling a niche, you know, frankly, I mean, there's clean beauty out there, but there's not really that one-stop shop clean beauty. And I'll get into that in a minute, but it was really um, something I was like, I, I'm going to be selling skincare and makeup like that's so weird i barely wear any makeup i mean i love skincare but i'm not just one of those people that's like woo so i was just like i don't know if i really see myself doing that but i did some research on the company and i and i the leader is a woman it's a woman founded business um her name is greg and people always think she's a male but she's not she's greg the woman and she's super impressive and i could tell that the company was very it was set up in a really terrific way that it wasn't really going anywhere. So I got in pretty early. It was only two years old when I jumped in. And um, I got in and just started doing it. And the, the line grew, the message, the sustainability message grew. Uh, it started off just being, it was mission-based. I would say more mission-based than sustainability. It was purpose-based. There was, um, you know, it was clean products. It was about educating people about the ingredients that they put on their skin, their largest organ every day. Um, it yeah. was about wellness, health. And I was like, this is right up my alley. And it pushed me because even though I was doing the radio show and I, I wasn't really in sales, you know, I can, you're always, I mean, everybody is kind of a salesperson. You're selling this, that, the other. I mean, we all are inherently salespeople, but I wasn't really selling anything, but it really pushed me to be fearless about it and unapologetic about it. And I slowly but surely built up this amazing client base because there was a need. And then the line grew and our mission grew and we lobby Congress. So we're, we're you know, we go there every year every other year, I believe, that we, we send 100 consultants to DC, we lobby Congress, we, we walk the walk, and now we're kind of closing the loop with our packaging now, so the sustainability is really coming in. They've hired, awesome. they've hired somebody now at the beauty counter that does the sustainability stuff, so they've grown that way, and I've just been thrilled by it because it's not just selling skincare and makeup and lipstick. It's like I educate people and I teach people about making smart choices. So it's been incredibly, um, just well, as a person with sensitive skin, I can, uh, absolutely appreciate, uh, understanding what you're putting on your face. And I frankly didn't care that much. Um, but until, you know, you break out, I still have issues sometimes, but um, I'm fortunate to have a wife and a mother who uh, are very helpful and know all the good products. I haven't tried any beauty counter products. I don't know if, do you have a men's line? There's a men's line. There, so that's there's the other thing. Line, there's a men's line, there's a baby line, there's a kid line. So it's a one, it really is a one-stop shop. And I think a lot of people just love that aspect of it, that we are sure, literally sure. the cleanest on the market. Like we, if there's any questionable ingredient we pull the product and a lot of that a lot of those are based those those questionable products are based on our supply chain and you know blips in the supply chain so if we are not totally sure of what's going on out there we will pull a product until we're absolutely sure because it's our reputation yeah. on the line and yeah. and you know and we just don't fool around and the efficacy of the product is high sure. the products work so, I mean, yep. it makes my job easy when products work and they yep. sell themselves because then I can work yep. on the education piece for people. But, you know, coming back to how I can fit that into Biostar. So since I've been doing it for 
um, five years now, my client base is, is, is pretty big and I have that, you know, set client base. I'm always working super hard, but I can fit it into my life when, when I'm not working my work at Biostar, when I'm not, you know, taking care of my six-year-old now. So weird to say six. She's so old now. Anyway, sure. so, you know, you can, you can fit it in. You can, you know, fit sure. it in seamlessly. So it's been really nice. And so I don't, you know, most days I don't feel like I'm taking on too much. It's been great. Yeah. Well, props to you for um, having that entrepreneurial spirit and figuring out you know, you're, you're, as you mentioned, a single mother. So um, you've created a dual income for yourself. That's good. I've always been slightly <laughs> unconventional and, you know, it's just wrong who I that. am. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, this has been really great, Chrissy. Thank you so much for taking some time. And I think our viewers will really enjoy it. Um, enjoy getting to know our team a little bit better. And uh, thank you for, for being the guinea pig on the employee highlight version of the Renewables podcast. It's been really fun. Awesome. All right. Well, happy birthday again to Caroline. And we will talk very soon. Bye, Chrissy. Perfect. Bye, Thanks Chrissy. so much. Thanks.